Cameron, do Little Debbie snack cakes count for the Yeasty Boys? I don't see why not. Here's my question about this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it may be too much of a stretch. Okay. Um, I feel like if we include Little Debbie's as bread, uh-huh. then we have to start like including like whiskey because it's made of oil. There's nothing really <laughs> bread about Little Debbie's. Uh-huh. Well, is it strictly bread or is it like baked goods? Oh, I guess that's true. I mean, because I was going to... Spoilers. I was bringing a baked good. Oh, well, in that case... No. Later in the episode. Sleep. Tell Bobka. No. No. Sleep. Sleep. Tell Bobka. It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. We're kicking it off with these. They never saw it coming. They never saw it coming. I want you to leave in that stuff about whether or not Little Debbie's counts as bread. I don't think it counts as bread, but I think it counts as baked something. Okay. Somewhat okay. baked. Do you want to go first or second? Um, I'll go second. Okay. Um, mine is really simple. Um, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife knows this. I, if I see something in the store and I'm like, I've never had that, I have to buy it. Yeah, um, you're like my kids. It's like, well, it, it is kind of a kiddish thing. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm um, an explorer of tastes, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like baked goods. A taste candies. explorer. Um, Going on a rarely taste do I find a little Debbie that just takes me aback. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what have they done? Flaming hot, flaming hot um, Swiss rolls. Uh, no, that's not it. However, uh, the flavor hot beef jerky from Jack Lane's is really good. Oh, I'm um, sure. Um, I was buying it for work, but it's like eight, nine dollars, like a package. Uh-huh. The package lasts like two seconds. Beef jerky is not cheap. No, no, it's not. Uh, anyway, sorry. Going back this to isn't, this, isn't the jerky boys, this is the yeasty boys. <laughs> it's true. Um, come back Tuesday for the jerky boys. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's true. If you only listen to this podcast on Tuesdays, all Yeasty Boy segments are Jerky Boy segments. It's a weird. Uh, it's a weird this. thing. Try I don't know why out. we did it. I don't know why we did it. Uh, no one's no one's found that Easter egg. Uh, um, but what if you took the best little dip and you combined it with the best flavor? Um, zebra cake is that a little Debbie? Yeah, I think it is. Is a zebra cake the best? That's my favorite little Debbie. Oh, is it? Uh huh. Mm. The best one, you've already actually said it. Swiss roll? Oh, yes. Like a chocolate Swiss roll, or are you talking like a strawberry shortcake Swiss roll? It's a chocolate Swiss roll with strawberry mm-hmm. cream that I found. Oh, man, that sounds great. It was delightful. I just kind of got there in a roundabout way. Um, it was so good. Um, and I just wanted to talk about how, like, not talking about Little Debbie's. They're good. Yeah, you shouldn't. See, here's the thing. Little Debbie's. I mean, I feel like over the course of this summer or the last few months, and this will segue nicely into what I'm going to be talking about. I feel like I've been on a journey of food, not of like trying a whole bunch of things, but like sort of shifting the way that I think about a lot of food. Um, Because I feel like I never personally looked down on something like a Little Debbie. But I mean, the good thing about Little Debbies, other than the fact that they're delicious, is they're pretty inexpensive and they're easily available. Mm-hmm. And so they're a thing that a lot of like lower income people eat, right? Like, yeah, like chance, like me growing up. 
and I'm I wouldn't turn down a little Debbie to this day. I'd love a zebra cake. Um, but there's just kind of this attitude around those foods because are they the most nutritious things in the world? No, they're not. They're not pretending to be, but there's just kind of this air of like, oh, this is empty calories, quote unquote. So that therefore it's bad or it's like this immoral thing to enjoy something like this. And that's just quite frankly not true. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things kind of working into that. And that's just our misunderstanding of food. Like, yes, food fuels us. It's good to eat things that are filled with more nutrients that like nourish our bodies and give us good energy. But like calorie, a calorie doesn't have a moral value. A calorie is a calorie. It's just a unit of, of energy. It's not a unit of morality. Are there maybe better ways to get calories most of the time? Yes, sure. But that doesn't make something like a little Debbie bad. And then you add on top of that, just the socioeconomic sort of like, this is a poor person food. So I have to look down on it. Like spam or Vienna sausages or ramen noodles, which are other things that aren't super great for you, but they're things that people need, like eat to survive. And so that in in and of itself makes it a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just thinking about that, but that kind of segues into what I was going to talk about. Cause mine was, I was going to bring a recipe oh. along with what I was talking about, um, which I adapted from um, kind of a fitness influencer that I follow by the name of Sean Casey. Um, I feel like British fitness influencers are just like better than any other one because I feel like they're just more honest and they're not like if you do 10,000 sit-ups a day you're gonna get shredded they're like no that's dumb like you need to be in a calorie deficit and like take care of your body and all those things um but he made this recipe and then I kind of adapted it with something that I have and it was enjoyable I think I'm still fine-tuning it but my wife went to Costco and she got a bag of what's called brownie brittle Okay. Which is the baked good that I'm bringing to us today. So if you are listening and you know peanut brittle, it's like, you know, thin, really sugary peanuts and like sugar, basically. It's kind of hard, um, but it's brittle. You can break it and then you just kind of munch on it. Super sweet. Well, this is someone who made that, but with brownies. So they're like really thin brownies that kind of remind me of when you eat like the corner of a brownie. Where it's kind of chewier, a little crunchier. Um, so it's really crunchy. But what's really nice is the serving is only like 120 calories. And so it like, like really satisfies the sweet tooth, but isn't like overboard. Um, it's like a better choice, but still something that's enjoyable. Um, but what I did, and this is what the recipe was, and I all my modifications. He took like a tub of Greek yogurt put it in a bowl. Then he took a bag. It was like three cups of frozen berries. Bought them out so the juice is all there because if they're frozen, they just kind of get really juicy when they thaw. And you mix those together. And then he took meringue cookies and like crumbled them up. And it's like really sweet and kind of crunchy in there. But I took brownie brittle and crunched it up. And so there's just like these really nice, rich, chocolatey bits throughout. But like I made that and it made a pretty big bowl. I could probably eat like 10 servings of that. And so it comes out to, based on what I put in it, comes out to less than 150 calories for like a pretty good sized bowl of this yogurt, fruit, and brownie brittle mix. And it's like pretty good. The one change I would make is I used plain Greek yogurt, which I feel like is a really sharp 
like acidic, not very, not sweet at all because there's no sugar, but I might get like a vanilla, which adds a little bit more calories, but not, you know, horribly, horribly a lot. Um, but it's really tasty. And um, you use that brownie bread oil, which is super good. Very nice. I, I, I counted calories for a small time in my life mm -hmm. um, just to see that I could. Um, but I don't do that. So I, yeah, I I'm not like super. I'm just trying to make little better choices and trying to be aware. I mean, I'll still like go to town on some Buffalo Wild Wings or something. Um, but I'm like aware of it. There you I feel go. like it's helpful because like being in a calorie deficit where you burn more than you take in is like the only key, or, like the main key to like weight loss. It's true. Uh, I, you, you tell me as I just ate strawberry Swiss rolls and I'm sitting on a daiquiri. Yeah. Like I mean, a real daiquiri, but still. Whatever. Whatever you, I mean, it's fine. Um, but yes, there you have it. A delightful recipe. Yeah, um, it's very tasty. More interested in brownie brittle than any of it. No yeah, thing. brownie brittle is so good. Next time I'm around you, or you can just get some at Costco because you have a membership. It was like buy one, get one free of the bags, and they were huge. At, at Costco? I didn't know you had Costco. We didn't. My wife borrowed my brother-in-law's, and then she got in trouble. Oh. Because they're like cracking down on sharing those things. Sad. Yeah. I feel like you could like pass as your brother-in-law. I probably could. Because shame on you, Costco. Couldn't she just be like, I'm the wife? She could have. She probably should have. That'd have been smart. Next time. Because you know we're trying again. Um, but I guess until next time. No. Sleep. Sleep. Till Bobka. Till Bobka. No. No. Sleep. Sleep. Till Bobka. Till Bobka. Brought to you by uh, the WGA and SAG-AFTA. Unless someone real decides to sponsor us. This is Boy Meets World Fever, Hollywood Strike Edition. Uh-huh, and who are you? I'm one of your hosts, Chance. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your other host, Cameron. I forgot how to podcast, Cameron. I, I guess so. You said you retired when we got started, and I, I, I believe you. I don't know what's happening. That's okay. What's a podcast? I'm, I've never heard of such a thing. Is it that people say it's like radio on demand? That doesn't make any sense to me. I can have a radio anytime I want. Yeah. Radio is always on demand. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, Cam? I'm good. I'm more awake than you are. Yeah. Um, my wife had surgery last week. I think we talked about it. Mm hmm And um, she's doing great. Um, she really is. But she can't she still can't like walk around or get around. Mm-hmm. So like like I've been like keeping her medicine schedule and doing all the household chores and getting her with the things she needs and like taking care of me and taking care of our son. And um, like, I keep saying I'm not tired, but I think I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that makes sense. Um, they're, they're far more than worth it, but I think I'm just a little tired. Yeah. It takes, it takes a toll on you. Um, I feel like I'm sort of the opposite because my kids were just at their grandparents and cousins for a week. And so it was like a really nice time and restful time. And then my wife was working a few of those days. 
and she was up there visiting them for a couple of days. So I feel like I just kind of had the run of things all to myself. Oh, yeah. And you're not you're not back at work yet. Not until nope. I still have like a week and a half. Yeah, I meant, I meant the week after this is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Um, I was I worked forty two hours last week and did all that. Yeah, so I'm tired. So, yeah, that's tiring. Thoughts um, and prayers good. for chance. Thoughts and prayers for chance. Give me your thoughts and prayers. I don't fix anything. <laughs> get rid of guns. Just just get rid of guns. That's all it will take. I'm actually not a fan of get rid of guns, but I am a fan of gun regulation. I don't like guns. I say get rid of them all. I don't care. I don't. I don't love them either. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. This is a boys meet politics. <laughs> That's another show. Yeah. Um. I'll tell you guys my one of these days we'll have a day where Chance just explains his perfect society to everybody. I can hardly wait. Um. I wrote a book about it once. Um, you read a book or wrote a book? I wrote a book about it. Wow, a manifesto? No, it's a swashbuckling pirate fantasy. Oh, okay. You know, a swashbuckling um, pirate fantasy manifesto. But it's basically about a guy who ran... I wrote it during COVID. I, it's not very good. I have to revise it and stuff. Uh, I'm just going to tell you about my book. Um, it's about a guy who lives in like a... Kind of an equivalent of the Caribbean... Mm-hmm. Um, it's like not our world, and um, this world is populated with like they call them relics or artifacts, um, and that's where, where like magic comes from. Um, loving it, loving it. So like people don't have magic, but like you can find things that have magic. Um, they're pretty rare, but not like you. You probably know someone who has had one. Um, but he comes from like this kind of catholic church analog where his dad was like a high priest and they like conquer in the name of the church and all that stuff Mm -hmm. um and that was his dad but he escaped that and he has so his ship is called the ashen wraith um because it's an ash ship that can vanish Mm -hmm. uh and he has this magic bell that can take him to an island that you can only get to by ringing this bell first. That's like its power. It's, it's um, a relic power. Yes. And um, the on the island, I like built like my ideal society. Nice. Someday I'd love to read it. One of these days I'll rewrite it and revise, revise it and make it not suck. That's important. I think the ideas in it are very good. I just didn't write it very well. It takes time. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to... I was on lockdown, so I wrote a swashbuckling epic Like you do, in between Animal Crossing sessions. It's true. Um, actually, I think I started it before it. Wow, that was very early days. It was. Um, so yeah, pirate. Anyway, uh, Cameron, uh-huh. let's do a check-in. How's it going? Good. Like a check-in on how we're doing with what we talked about last week? Yeah. Or the week before. Or the week before. Well, I got two updates. Okay. One, I listened to that episode of Data Over Dogma that you talked about. Oh, how was it? It was good. I downloaded it as I was going for a walk. And as I was listening, while I did that. And while I repaired my lawnmower, um, I thought it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's just like this side of things. Well, let let me me just walk it back. Because I'm just thinking... 
remembering growing up and like being at like church camp. Wait, before whatever. you go on, you uh-huh. listen to the Mary episode? Yeah. Okay. Keep the going. Mary episode. So talking a lot about like textual criticism and they're talking about a lot about like how do we have, basically how do we have the Bible as mm-hmm. we have it today, more or less, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Um, and so the guest on there is like an expert of some, one of John, right? John, the book of John. Um, but I feel like growing up, you know, it's just like we have all of these manuscripts of the Bible and there's thousands of manuscripts. And you know what? They all say the same thing. And it's just like, oh, that's great. Wow, that's wonderful. That's amazing. And then now it's kind of like, okay, but they don't. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of do two, you can do kind of three things with that. You can kind of disregard it. And just be like, I'm going to put this over here and just kind of continue the way that I was going, which is just, you know, intellectually dishonest. Um, And you're just kind of doing mental gymnastics in a way that I think is untenable. (laughs) The other thing is you can say, fooey on it all. I've been lied to. Um, (laughs) So I'm just going to walk away because like, how do I know? This just seems like a big mess. Or the third option, which I think is the better option, is it's just like, wow, this is really amazing. Like, this is super interesting that even in the midst of all of this, like, we, like, very smart people have, like, sat down and, like, talked these things out. And there's people that still today are, like, kind of going through this. And it's just fascinating the way that this incredibly old set of documents um, Mm -hmm. that make up the Bible have, like, been not cobbled together because that sounds, well, (laughs) maybe cobbled together is right. Um, But in a way that, in some ways feels cohesive in some ways maybe doesn't but it's interesting i took like a three night class once mm-hmm. on um the composition of the bible um and it is so cobbled together kind of works honestly um because for 400 to 500 years after the bible um there's still like massive disagreement about what books should and should not be included um, and it's not until the 500s that we get the first the first Bible, um, mm-hmm. like the first like complete Bible. It's called Codex uh, Codex Sinaiticus, um, and even that first Bible has three books in it that we don't use. Um, and then Codex Sinaiticus has has two books that we don't use, um, and that's those two are both our earliest complete like Old Testament, Apocrypha, New Testament Bible mm-hmm. um, are those two. So it's so interesting to see like the progression through the years. And interestingly, you know, we are taught about all the manuscripts and all that. But what people fail to mention is that we have, we have like 4,000 manuscripts. Like it's one of the, the most attested to books in the world. But what they don't tell you is that we have less than 100 manuscripts from before the year 1,000. It doesn't make a difference. So it's like we have we have three three complete New Testament from before the year one. Wow! Is like you said. I think it's so interesting because like I think it's so interesting because we're not taught that. Uh huh. And it's this fascinating journey. Yeah, and I I feel like just trying to under figure out why that is. I think because it I mean it undercuts like the power and authority of the people saying like, it's clear, like this is what you ought to do. And it's so clear and laid out. Cause if you're like mm-hmm. honest about it, where you're like, it is kind of this mumble jumble. Yeah. Um, this thing you take, yeah. take on faith. 
Huh? Yeah. Which there is something to be said for faith. Mm-hmm. Um, no, obviously, that's no, kind of a big, <laughs> sort of a big part of belief and religion um, is faith. Um, but it's just like, I mean, part of me wonders if a lot of the people that are like, it's so clear, it's clear, and it's all cohesive. Like, have they really looked into it and seen those things? Or are they just parroting whatever was told to them? Um, or is it just that fear of like, if people knew that, are they going to react in those fir- one of those first two ways of those three kind of ways that I talked about before? Um, I don't know. Well, I you and I talked about it not too long ago. I think like the cultural belonging is probably the most important part. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've asked people before, like, do you want to know if you're wrong? Like, like if you were sure you wrong, would you stand up for it? Um, I think there's just this level of cultural belonging that makes that untenable. Mm-hmm. This like, I won't be part of the club. Um, and I unfortunately think the inerrancy of scripture, um, which is a really loaded word, um, but we do not have time to unpack. I think it's one of those, one of those markers. Like it's got to be so provably clear. Like I, I think it's more beautiful that we have to take it on faith. Mm-hmm. I think that is so much more beautiful. But people are like, no, it has to be provably clear. It's all the manuscripts and the the variations and the less than ninety eight percent variation in the manuscripts. Not you know, uh, not to mention that our earliest ones have 98% is quite a lot when you really think about it. There's a lot of, that can be different in 98%. I mean, there's literally two endings added on to Mark that we can't trace past, uh, a th- again, 1000 AD. <laughs> you just, like, you know, the whole like this chapter of Mark shouldn't be there. They're like, this feels pretty short. I think 16 sounds better than 15. Well, so Mark has become my favorite book of the Bible. I'm going to nerd out about Mark real quick. Um, most scholars today think Mark was originally intended to be a play. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Yeah, the play. Passion Play in Branson, Missouri. Exactly. What have you never play? seen it? You haven't um, lived unless you've seen it. But Mark has this weird undercurrent that goes through it of keeping things a secret. Jesus is constantly telling people to keep things a secret. Um, people are are often like running away from Jesus's miracles and not telling people. Um, And it ends like the original ending that we have is the women going to the tomb, seeing it empty and then fleeing in fear. And it even says, and they didn't tell anyone. Oh my, that's quite different. And then the, the story just ends. And I guess people as the years went on, were like, this isn't a good (laughs) It's like, this is, like, we played the video game and got the bad ending. Yeah. We need to go back and we need to pump up our stats and pump up our social links. And then we get the good ending. <laughs> the good ending. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's, I just think it's so interesting. Mark is quickly, has quickly become my, my favorite, maybe book of the entire Bible. But. Well, how about that? Um, on a completely unrelated note to all of that, I've been watching more Common Rider Kuga. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just life changing, you know. I don't tell me about it. it. I mean, I didn't expect so much of it to be so. Like I was like, yeah, obviously, monsters fighting the Common Rider with Kuga is this one's name, like doing his thing. But I was ex- 
like I went in expecting sort of a Power Rangers level of discourse, like episode to episode kind of being its own thing sort of wrapped up. And then we move on and it's like, now it's time to learn another lesson. And then we learn another lesson. And it's really not like that at all. Mm-hmm. It's like so fascinating. Cause like when you watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like the whole point of it is Rita Repulsa is back and she's just like having her one dude, I can't remember his name. He makes these monsters and she throws them down to earth and they cause a bunch of trouble and then they get beat up by the Power Rangers and then they grow and then they fight and then they win. The Power Rangers do. Yeah. And it's basically it's like rinse, rinse, repeat forever, um, basically. And there can be little kinks thrown in the system, um, mm-hmm. like the Green Ranger um, and all of that stuff. That's really cool. Um, but those things that are the kinks are the things that really stand out, right? Yeah. The rest of it is yeah. kind of week to week. But like the Green Ranger saga is like, this is really good because it's like different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like so much, I'm like 12 episodes in the common rider kuga and it like so much of it is that like the villains are totally different i don't even still don't quite know what their deal is um but essentially a long time ago there was the Lin- lindo which i think were just normal people and the grongi who was this other like monster race um and they fought and kuga was there and defeated them um but now they're back the Grongi are back and they seem to be playing this sort of like murder game where it's like a different monster will get like, a, he's like, you have two days to kill 80 people and then they'll go and like be pretty successful <laughs> at doing that. It's like Power Rangers would never like the monster just goes and terrorizes the Power Rangers for the most part. Nobody dies. Uh, but this is like, you're seeing there's one guy who's like a rhino and he just takes people and rams them right through the chest and you see it. And it's like, Oh my Oh my goodness. Or getting, there's a guy who's a wasp and he like is sniping people and they're basically getting shot through the head. Um, oh, collapsing and dying of anaphylactic. Green armor? Yeah, that's when he gets the green armor. Um, so it's just like way more brutal, but it's like the undercurrent of the story is so much more interesting. Like I just watched a two episode little mini arc about like one of Godai who is the alter like kuga is, is who kuga is um yusuke godai uh, or godai yusuke um but he's like made this promise to his sixth grade teacher that they would reunite in the year 2000 on march 25th and he was going to keep his promise and all this stuff and the teacher's like i'm going to quit teaching because i don't feel like i'm making a difference and if he doesn't show up i'm quitting because like that's it and it's like this whole like, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? And the teacher's like talking about everything and then remembering like the spirit of Yusuke Godai and like always giving the thumbs up and like just the cheerfulness of him. Because that's like a big thing in Kuga is he always gives a thumbs up. Um, There's a million memes of Kuga giving a thumbs up. And it's just like, this is the, the best thing. <laughs> like, I absolutely love this. Like the stakes are just so different. Um, and in the background, there's just like this murder game going on um, yeah. from all these monstrous bad guys who they have like a human looking form um, and they just look like the nastiest freaks in the world. Um, and they make really weird facial expressions. And I'm so glad that the rhino guy is dead because he was the most ridiculous one of all. Like I loved him. But at the same time, it's like you need to you need to chill. <laughs> He's just always like... 
No one can see that but you. Just they, picture yeah, like the hear it. just picture like the just most absurd sort of angry face that you've ever seen. Nostrils flaring, neck kind of cricked back. Um, but I've been watching that and it's fantastic. Very nice. I love it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Common Rider's wonderful. It is. Um I have not finished my current book, so I haven't given uh, Way of Kings another shot yet. Well, that's okay. Um, I am currently reading a book. I, you know, I'm not going to tell you because I might bring it some other time. Okay. Okay. No worries. Um, but I've been I've been reading a book. It's very good. Um, I've been really wanting like a space opera lately. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not that. It's more just hard sci-fi um, than a space opera. Um, I'm starting to realize there's not a lot of great space opera series out there. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, if you, listener, know a great space opera, tweet at us. Um, I've read Dune um, and even a few of the sequels. I don't care for the sequels very much. Uh, um, excuse me, Chance. You can't tweet at us anymore. You must zeet at us. No. No. I refuse. I hate Elon Musk's guts. Yeah. it The the logo looks stupid. All of it's dumb. Um, <laughs> That's as much brain. That's why I haven't really gotten on at all. Um, just because I, it makes me so mad just to think about. Um, but yes, tweeted us a good space opera. I've read Dune um, and I've read Ender's Game and two of its sequels and all of Ender's Shadow. Um, so if you're like, if you're bringing those space operas, I'm sorry. Sorry about you. Those have already been read. Um, I've almost been tempted because i keep hearing good things about the the star wars high republic books uh-huh i've almost been tempted i don't really star wars anymore yeah um but i'm, I'm just des- i want like a giant empire and lots of alien races and mm-hmm. adventures in that setting yeah those are all good things that i like i was just doing a quick look and i you know it's just not very helpful i don't know I just nothing that really sticks out to me other than like Dune that you mentioned and the Expanse series also popped up. Yeah, but that's not quite the same. No, it's a little too hard sci fi. And like I said, whatever you're right now is hard sci fi and it's good. Um, but yeah, I just I didn't realize that there was so little of it because I want something like I want to enter this like massive intergalactic world, Uh like epic fantasy but sci fi. Yeah, exactly. Where is it? Give it to me. Um, bonus points if it's got two giant factions at war, and the the story takes place somewhere like in between that war. Uh huh. That's the best place. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I did that. Uh, I've still been plugging away at Borderlands. Um. I haven't had as much time just because we've talked about mm-hmm. my time. You're busy. Kind of been spoken for. Um. But I've been I've been plugging away at Borderlands. Um. It's good. I tried out the. The gun, or not gun, sniper and sword guy uh-huh. into. Yeah, zero. Um, yeah, I think I need to get further in the game because none of the characters feel like super distinct. Yeah, they really start to get that way, obviously, as you get more skills. Yeah. So when you really get deeper in those skill trees and it starts to change a lot. The, the, the psychic girl... Looks mm-hmm. cool, but I have just have this feeling she wouldn't be a lot of fun to play by herself. She actually is a lot of fun to play by yourself. I think she's oh. interestingly her and the Gunzerker are probably two of your most survivable ones, just because she you can build her to where she heals a lot. Um, and her move is really great because 
it's called a phase lock. And so if you basically just pull an enemy up into a ball and you can shoot them more easily and you can have it eventually do all kinds of effects where it throws out different elemental effects from there, or it's like a gravity well and it pulls a bunch of enemies. Um, or as you, sh as you shoot them and if they die while they're in the and in the phase lock, it'll heal you. Um, it's my favorite of Borderlands 2. Maybe I'll try her out then. Um, does she have like a, like a, like the Gunzerker, like if he wants to specialize in a weapon, it's pistols? Um, she's more SMG. SMGs are kind of her thing. Her thing. Yeah, because it kind of seemed like like assault rifles, sniper rifles, and pistols was the Gunzerker. Mm -hmm. And shotguns, I feel like. There's also two other classes. Uh huh. Um, but there's the Psycho, who's like all melee focused. And then the Mecro. I don't, maybe not all, but I feel like that's his main thing. And then the Mecromancer, who she summons a robot. Okay. And she's all about, it's kind of weird about like chaos. And she has skills that it's like makes it weird. Maybe you miss a lot, or but then if it flips, like you can't miss, and it'll make all your shots hit. Um, Interesting. Yeah, kind of playing with probability in a fun way. The old melee guys also seem interesting. My dishwasher's done. Oh, good. Um, I, I'm sure I will get more time with it soon. Cool. That's enjoyable. Um, my common rider update, just because you got to give one. Mm -hmm. And it is my biggest hobby right now is Kamen Rider. Uh, I'm almost done with Kamen Rider Saber, which will be my fourth-ish Kamen Rider finished. Um, I'm not counting... Geats is the, the ish in there because it's not finished, but I am caught up with it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's very interesting. Um, I started Saber and was not super into it. I loved the suits um, and I loved the lore of it. Um, but it was, I don't know. I don't want to say childish because that, but it was kind of childish, I guess. Um, but once I kind of got into it, um, we got past this first, like, kind of introduction arc. Um, like the childishness and the, like, I'm a new fish in a, in a big pond mm -hmm. kind of stuff that led to all that childishness. Um, as that kind of fe fell away about like 15 episodes in or so. Um, and all that was kind of left was the aesthetic and the lore and like the intrigue of who the true villain was. Um, it's, it's great. <laughs> like, um, it's fantastic. I understand. I know it has kind of a mixed reception in the community, um, but I loved it. And I recommend it to anybody. Just know it starts a little slow, um, but the suits are so cool. And, you know, swords and books as the main aesthetic. I'm all um, for that. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's all about like you get to decide how your story ends, um, <laughs> oh. and your emotions are important. Um, I love all of this. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's it's a really great show. Um, I was hesitant to to do it, even though like three of my favorite suit designs were in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think the suit designs are amazing. I was a little hesitant to recommend it, but now, like, it's a wholehearted recommendation. Um, just knowing it takes a little to get into. Mm -hmm. Good to um, know. So, um, I've only seen one episode of Common Rider Geats since we last talked. Um, and it's pretty amazing. But a lot of it, or at least some of it, was set up for a movie that's coming soon. Um, there was, a like, a black version of the Geats suit 
and he was talking to some lady. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah. We'll give more updates as the strike continues. Because mm-hmm. it is continuing. There, It is interesting, just while we're to talk about the strike for a minute, a lot of like smaller indie studios are basically getting the okay from yes. SAG-AFTRA to shoot and do all the things that they need to do. But the reason is because they're agreeing to their demands. Mm-hmm. Like these smaller studios with smaller budgets that are like, yeah, of course, like we will do this. Um, but in the meantime, like your larger studios that could afford it um, definitely are not doing that. So much so even like Universal trimmed all the trees and cut all the trees back where people were picketing. So there was no shade, despite not being the time of year to do that, nor their responsibility um, to do that. And the bogus thing is they only got fined $500 for doing it. Yeah, that's really stupid. Um, Yes. Um, I know that right when the strike was starting, General Ortega got in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are like, she's, going, she's working and acting. Um, her and Paul Rudd are. Um, but it turns out that uh, it's an A24 film, an A24, mm-hmm. which honestly has some of the best stuff out there anyway. Like, uh, every everything everywhere all at once is A24. Yeah, they're taking big swings and big risks. Um, they agreed to all the demands and got the okay. Um, but uh, then I heard the pitch for Jenna Ortega and Paul Rudd's movie, um, and it's uh, they are normal people driving, driving, and they hit a unicorn. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm sold. Uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I want to watch that. <laughs> Say no more. Sign me up. I'm done. Um, so yeah, support A24. Um, maybe maybe one of these days on this show I'll bring an A24 movie. Maybe so. Um, but yeah, uh, the I, I think that was a good update. Um, I'll just give the one that I was um, considering because it wasn't very long. Um, since the strike has happened... Um, a lot of the bigger companies have um, posted positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, SAG-AFTA and the Writers Guild were asking them to come back to the negotiating table. And they said no. And like in response, they posted a whole bunch of job openings for AI specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because no one quite knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Like, am I an AI specialist? Because I've used chat GPT to create, like... A script. Yeah, like a script. Like, am I am I a specialist? Like, can I go get 150K? Um, but they're, like, they're posing these really high-paying um, AI specialist positions. Um, and people are like, why is this so hard? For, like, all we want is high-paying positions like that. Like, Yeah, it almost feels like everything we're seeing happen with Twitter playing out across an entire other industry, like the whole industry, where it's Mm -hmm. just like, these are the things. Like, we just need this site to work, and, like, we can send DMs, and we can tweet, and we can just see what's out there. Like, that's all we need to do. And it's like, oh, you want to send DMs? How about you pay, or I'm going to cut off your limit? How about I'm going to start, if you pay for twitter and you get over a certain amount of um eyes on all of your stuff you'll start getting money which is just going to encourage all these people to make bad takes over and over and over again because they're going to be paid for it because they're getting more interactions because they're being terrible people 
Yeah, inflammatory. How about I change the name, even though this company inserted an entire new word into like the lexicon of all language with a tweet? I'm just going to throw all of that goodwill away and all of that marketing and name recognition and brand recognition. I'm just going to poo on it all because X. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? That's like how a middle schooler named something cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally named his kid X. I mean, he is basically a middle schooler who had an emerald mine. and <laughs> Yeah, and did what a middle schooler with an emerald mine would do. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Elon Musk, don't come on the show. Not invited. <laughs> Not invited. You are joining Adam Levine, the Ku Klux Klan, the Paul brothers. Probably some others, too. Probably some others. You know, I almost want to take Adam Levine off the list. Because these are some horrible people. And (laughs) Adam Levine's worst sin is that he's really bad for music. That's pretty bad, though. Well, and that whole... He's recently had some, like, personal douchebaggery. Mm -hmm. He can stay on the list. He stays on the list. But he's the least of the list. Uh He's first in position, but only because... He's the first we thought of. Yep. So Adam Levine still don't come on the show. Yeah. Still uninvited. Uninvited. Um, But I guess, you know, 48 minutes in, it's time to get to what we're here to talk about. Oh, yeah. Which is time to bring some new media to the table in everyone's favorite new segment, Boys Meet Nonstruck Media. Mm -hmm. Who went first last week? You went first last week, so I'll go first this week. Um... I am bringing another video game to the table. Um, And it's one I've been playing a lot. So I don't know if it sticks the landing. But it has a lot of charm and a lot of heart. And I think a lot of really good selling points. Um, And I I think the quality of the writing means it probably will stick the landing. And that's Octopath Traveler 2, Mm. which is a horrible name. You know but, what? I love it because the main characters names spell Octopath. They do spell Octopath. Um, so I'm just going to give a quick pitch for exactly what this is. Um, I do also want to say up front, I didn't really care too much for the first one. Uh, I loved the first one. And it's, it's very similar, but I feel like it's just better in every way. Um, and you don't really need any knowledge of the first one to play the second one. Yeah. You really didn't need knowledge of the first one to play the first one. Okay. No. Nor the second one to play the second one. Yeah, most games work that way. Well, but like, if you only did like four people, you could like very easily just play it again with no. I, yeah, I mean that's true. You don't need to do all of it, but you want to because it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way Octopath Traveler works, as the name sort of suggests, you have eight characters um, that are each a specific class, and they you basically play through each of their stories. Um, and so you could, I suppose, pick your starting character and just play their entire story solo. Mm-hmm. It'd be really hard, but I guess it would do it. It'd, it'd be, be really hard. Um, but the main sort of draw is you start with your one character and then you go around the map getting the other characters and learning about their stories. And so you play the first chapter of the character that you have and then you go you have the map and it's like, this is where each of these characters are. And so you're like, okay, well, I'll go here and I'll get this person and maybe I'll make a loop or maybe I'll bounce back and forth, but I'll gather up all of these characters. And the, each of them is a different class. And so each of them plays 
out really differently, um, but in a way that's really satisfying. So you have um, some of them are very cut and dry. Like you have a cleric who uses light magic and heals. You have a scholar who's like a wizard, and so he uses elemental magic. You have a thief um, who uses knives and poison and dark magic. Um, you have like I'm trying to think. you have a warrior who's all about using different types of weapons and physical attacks. Um, those I feel like are kind of a mainstay classes of mm-hmm. fantasy games. But then you have a character like the apothecary, who she is all about mixing up items in battle that can do different effects. And she also is maybe like the hardest hitter <laughs> in the, uh, at least in the characters that I have. She hits so hard. Um, and then you have like the hunter who it's almost like when you play as her, you're playing Pokemon. And as you fight monsters, you can capture the monsters and unleash them in battle. Um, mm-hmm. Or the merchant who is all about making a lot of money and then you can spend money in battle to call soldiers to come and help you out, um, which is pretty cool. The merchant was my favorite character in the first one. Um, I love the merchant in the second one. So good. Um, or a dancer who's all about buffing up her allies. Um, did I name all of them? I don't know. Apothecary, dancer, merchant. I'm missing one. Hunter. I did. I got them all. Um, so you get them all and you're like, just going on adventures. But what I think is really like a great selling point for a game like this is it's very big. Like it can, it's a very long game, but it is incredibly bite-sized. Like I like to play this game when I'm riding on the exercise bike. And the other day I did 45 minutes. um, And from the moment that I started, I started a character's chapter and it took exactly that 45 minutes and the chapter was over. And like that portion of the story was done. I did the whole thing, 45 minutes, feeling very satisfied. And I could like walk away mm, and then that. come back. And so it feels big because it is big, but it's incredibly like chunked up. Um, and so I, I feel like that's a big selling point um, in this day and age where people are super busy. It's like, I don't have time to, you know, go really sink several hours into some story part or do some great big dungeon or whatever, but I can do 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes even 30 minutes. Sometimes they're even less. Um, or it's like sometimes a character's chapter is broken up into different chunks where it's like, oh, this only takes like 20 minutes, but they have three parts. And so I can just go do this one and then I'll go do the other ones later. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first game was like that a lot. Um, the only thing about the first game, and I don't know if the second one fixes this or not, is like individual battles. Like I, the bosses, I felt like were 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 extremely epic. Mm-hmm. And they like they took like mastering strategies and mastering timing uh, and mastering the the um, is it gambit. The brave battle, I don't remember what, just BP. BP, brave points, yes. Brave points, I think. And it took like mastering the brave point system. And those those battles took a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you could you could easily do one for like an hour and 15 um, in the first one. There haven't been um, any that have taken that long. Um, but as you got further in the game, a lot of the random encounters... Um, started getting that way too, where like you'd spend like twenty minutes um, 
and it just got tedious. It got a little much. Um, that, that's the only reason I stopped um, towards the last like fourth of the game, just because I didn't feel like I had time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, and I'm not there yet. I may be. I'm through with most characters, chapter twos. Um, okay. Because it's also interesting. Because some of them, it's like they have one chapter two. Then, like the hunter, she has three chapter twos, and it tells you like suggested level for when you should try to take those on. And for hers, there's like one that's like level seventeen, one that's like level twenty-eight, and one that's level thirty-seven. And I'm just not there yet. And so it's like I can't finish up her chapter twos really until I'm well into chapter threes for the other characters. Um, yeah. Which I feel like two one did as well. Um, you, yeah, you don't have to sell me on this game. Um, it's on my list. Um, I'm not just trying to sell you. I'm trying to sell our audience. Yes, I know. But the setup of this is we try to convince each other. Mm-hmm, I know. And um, I figured this one was an easy one. Yeah, it's an easy one. Um, it's probably not quick on my list. Although mm-hmm. the, the, chunk, the bite-sized chunks that you're mentioning do make it slightly more appealing just because, like, I can only game in like fifteen to forty-ish minute chunks anymore, mm-hmm. uh, just because of how my time is allocated. Yeah, um, so I feel like it's very helpful for that. And the stories, like I said, are just so good. Mm-hmm. Like even like Agnia, who's the dancer. I talked a little bit about her last week. Who's like, I just want to see the world smile. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of sweet, but I don't know if it's like a big draw for me. And then I did her chapter two. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, the story has like exactly what I love. And I'm like super into it. Um, and so each each chapter can feel like very different, each character story. Like you have the the character I start with, the one you start with, you have to they you they can't leave your party until you finish all of their story. Yeah, that was that was how it was in one. So I started with the cleric, Temenos, and it's like he doesn't feel like a normal like cleric. It's like, I'm holy and pious. He's like a doubter and he's like the inquisitor. And he goes, and he's almost, each of his chapters is almost like a detective story in a way as he's trying to unravel these mysteries of this like wider conspiracy mm-hmm. that's going on. Um, but it's just like this really fun and interesting thing. Um, and then each character also has like what are called path actions. Mm-hmm. And so they can, and they have two different ones depending on if it's daytime or nighttime. Um, and you can change that at will. And so it's like, you know, the thief during the day can steal and like pickpocket and you have a percent chance of doing well or not. But then the merchant during the day can buy stuff and they can buy the same things that could be stolen. But stolen. But the dancer at nighttime can basically, if your level's high enough, you can just ask and they give it to you. Um, and so it just kind of depends on how you want to go about it. And then it's like, you can find information all these different ways. Sometimes it's level based or sometimes you have a chance, or if you're the cleric, you can just go and beat them up because you're like the inquisitor. And if you break them in battle, you find out the information through oh, fighting. Kind of like how the, the warrior was the first one. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, there's other ones like that, like to knock them out where you can have the apothecary and you use an item and it makes them fall asleep or, you can be the hunter and provoke them and you use your animal companions and you can only fight with them. Um, mm-hmm. Like you don't fight, you like provoke them and attack them with all of your pets, your Pokemon essentially. Um, so there's just lots of different ways to kind of go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically never buy anything. I just go and steal or use my scholar and I mug them and take their stuff. 
The scholar can mug interesting. Uh-huh, because his his story starts where he's been framed for a murder, and so he's in prison, and he's trying to escape from prison, and so, you know, prison justice. Interesting. Okay. Beat him up. Sounds um, like everyone has an extra path action, which they did not in the first. Yeah, they have two path actions. And then also in battle, like, it plays out. Like, you can be two classes, your main class, and mm-hmm. then... You can do a subclass basically, but everybody's like the best at the one that they have because they have their skills that only they can do. Yeah, yeah. that was the same as the first one. Uh-huh. It's like the warrior, like his path action is he can fight somebody, and if he wins, he can learn their skill, and then in battle, he can use those skills. Um, or like the apothecary can mix up items that can do different effects, or um, is it? Still those shrines to get new classes? Um, you go and you join. There's different like guilds for each of the classes, and you go join them. And then you can get one license, so you can have one person do that class, and you can do different things in-game to unlock up to three licenses. Okay. So you can have like a whole party of warriors if you wanted to. Interesting. All right. Yeah, this is on my list. Um, the, the crew that makes... Octopath Traveler and Triangle Strategy in Square Enix. Um, I have to imagine that they are a small crew that is constantly trying not to be noticed by the big machine. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they just almost, make good stuff. Yeah, it's almost apo- like like this post-apocalypse. Like they're trying to survive, and the spotlight is looking for them, and they have mm-hmm. to. Yeah, Team Asano, I believe. Yeah, and I, you know, I just picture them like coding. Looking over your shoulder. <laughs> Hope the boss um, doesn't see us today. Uh, whoever those people are, um, man, more power to you. Not the real player. heroes. Um, because Square Enix is a mess. It's just an awful, awful mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one team is just, they're really doing work. Yeah, the real heroes. Because um, I really do. I feel like Triangle Strategy and um, Octopath are like some of the most innovative RPGs to come out in a long time. JRPGs to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. Because even like Trails, which which we both love, like kind of the same thing every time with like little... Mm-hmm. Little tweaks. Little tweaks. Yeah, and it's just so crazy because, I mean, I feel like on Twitter, like I'm just, I follow a bunch of people that are super into it, but like Trails is still super small potatoes. Yeah. But it's something like Octopath, like it's well known. Yeah, not as well as known as it maybe should be. Yeah, and the nice thing about it, though, is it's at reached a point where it came out in February, and it's, like, starting to be on sale, and so you can get it for cheaper. I picked it up in a GameStop buy one, get one free, and it was already cheaper, and I got Tales of Arise also for the PS4, but I haven't played it yet. Can you play it on your PS5? Uh-huh. Good. Um, Were you wanting me to give it to you? No, I just... I was I was <laughs> worried. Um, hmm. Tales games. Not, not ones I've ever jumped into. I've got had Vesperia forever. I really should mm-hmm. play it. I've played like half of it. I've played like 40 minutes of it. Um, yes, yeah. that's what I've got. So check it out. Check out check out Octopath Traveler 2. Um, check out Cameron's Twitter about Al, 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 Octopath Traveler 2. Mm-hmm. It's all up in there. Um, I was tweeting about Common Rider, but now I don't tweet because it's not tweeting. Mine still hasn't changed. Yours has okay. Nope, I'm okay with it. Really? I'm the last holdout. I wish I was. Um, maybe I'll go back because I did do like uh, given my common rider thoughts, even if it is out to the void. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. Anyway, uh, my turn. Um, a little a little preamble before I jump into mine. Um, I love the preamble. I I had originally wanted to bring um, just a, a a real a struggling artist. I would say uh-huh. um, an artist that just not a lot of people know about um, to the table. Um, but but something happened this week that made me not. Um, the 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 just struggling. No one's ever heard of them artist. Um, I wanted to talk about Speak Now Taylor's version. Uh huh. Um, you know Taylor Swift. She just doesn't get the get the recognition she deserves. Yeah. Just, mm, just struggling. Um. because uh, I think it's really good. Um. So most of the week I was planning on breaking it. Um. Because I mean let's let's be real. Taylor Swift is the most successful artist of our time. Mm-hmm. Like I think fifty. 60 years from now when people look back like taylor will kind of overshadow everybody um which is okay there's a lot that needs to be overshadowed honestly it's 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 true um i kind of think of taylor as sort of like you know when you think of like easy listening music in the 60s like frank sinatra dean martin they kind of like are this like force that's so big Mm -hmm. that um that nothing else nothing else is really in the conversation um and i think taylor will very very easily be that um for pretty much like our whole adulthood um and and speak now taylor's version is very good um speak now was never my favorite taylor album and it is still not um fearless her last taylor's version i think is uh vastly superior um but anyway all that being said go listen to taylor swift um go go out she's, there she's a struggling artist yes uh it's a good one but on friday it may have been yeah yeah friday yesterday yeah um something happened that i was not expecting um and that's my girl my my person in the music industry one i root for Nicki minaj no carly ray jepson crj CRJ released a new album. Oh, wow. On Friday? Uh-huh. On yesterday? Um, I think it was yesterday. It may have been Thursday, but it was very recent. Uh, it's called The Loveliest Time. Oh, that sounds lovely. Uh, and her previous album last year was called The Loneliest Time, um, which um, I, I've now listened to both of them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one again, The Loveliest Time right now. Um, CRJ does not miss... She really doesn't. I feel like she was a sort of a joke. Mm-hmm. She you know, was. Call me maybe. Um, but then something just happened. Well, emotion happened. Uh, yeah. Emotion. <laughs> emotion. Fantastic. Emotion is um, a fantastic album. Emotion side B is just as good. Hot take. Dedicated is better. I don't know if I've ever really listened much to Dedicated. Um, it's better. And Dedicated side B is just as good as side A. Um, I remember when Loneliest Time came out. I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as Dedicated or Emotion. Um, and I, I still don't know that I do. Um, Joshua Tree is a great song. Um, Surrender My Heart is the first song on there. And uh, it was the big uh, single. It was very good. Um, Bad Thing Twice and Shooting Star are two of my favorite tracks on uh, Loneliest Time. It, it was okay. But... Carly Rae's doing this thing where she's like, 
kind of making two albums that complement each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Loneliest Time with Loveliest Time is a great set. Um, tracks like allude back to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Loveliest Time, a lot of the tracks seem like um, direct parallels uh, to Loneliest Time um, in, in certain ways. Um, it's just really, it's really interesting music making especially as like a duo i have a theory after listening to lovely's time one time that this one will actually end up being a three album set um the lousiest time maybe i don't know um the way that the last song is called weekend love ends seems fairly abrupt Mm -hmm. like i'm waiting for something else um so i have i just have a theory that there's another there's another album, which she's always done like Emotion Side A and Side B, Dedicated Side A and Side B, and now Loneliest Time, and now Loveliest Time. And then a Side C. I, I think I think there's going to be. just because that time when tapes were three-sided. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I just have, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a trilogy. Um, I could be wrong, um, but both are really good albums, and I highly recommend you listen to them. And listen to them back-to-back, because I think it's interesting. Um, I think Carly Rae Jepsen is really interesting in general. Um, especially, I think Emotion just has some great music on. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Run Away With Me is a perfect song. It's so good. Um, you've got that sick saxophone. You've got like this build through it. This like, soaring chorus. Um, I, I, I just think it's an incredible song. The music video for I Really, 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 Really Like You with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. So good. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Um, and I think I felt like she got kind of experimental with like maybe some more explicit content, um, some more drug references, stuff like that in Dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still, it was like kind of heavier topics, kind of with this bubblegum pop thing that Carly Rae is so good at doing. Um, these these two albums, I feel like she just decided to kind of go ham. <laughs> um like the very first track of a uh, loveliest time um anything to be with you um like the voice bubblegum is like turned up to 11 mm-hmm. but the the background track is like this really interesting instrumental um and it almost kind of like starts the 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 album on like kind of an unhinged note like but it's really interesting musically mm-hmm. To have this like kind of unhinged like hyper pop, hyper bubblegum pop vocals with this like almost jazz like beat behind it. Yeah, that's certainly an interesting combination. Um, I, I, it put me off for like thirty seconds, but then once I kind of started noticing all the elements, I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm actually really into this. Um, and then the the whole album is just really great. There's ups and downs. Um, Stadium Love is like the penultimate track, I think. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the single Shy Boy, um, I don't know if it was the best single because it's kind of the most basic song on the album. Um, and all the songs seem very experimental. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still a good song, it's just a little basic when all the other songs are a little more maybe got a little more going on. Yeah, basic. That's all right. Um, I'm basic, so it's. I appreciate it. It's nice so, to be seen. I guess what I'm bringing 
is loneliest time and loveliest time. Um, because I think, I think you know, it'd be probably roughly an hour and a half ish to listen to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an hour and a half well spent. I think you're going to go on a journey. Um, you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to have your thoughts provoked. And uh, it's really good. And if you want something that's maybe a little less experimental, um, but more like Carly Rae growing up a little, even though I don't think she was childish before, she was just making great pop music, uh, Dedicated uh, and Dedicated Side B are great. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emotion is, is obviously I, great. And I, I, when I say this, I'm not an emotion hater saying the Dedicated is better. I'm a person who adored Emotion and think Emotion is a near-perfect album. Saying I like dedicated better. Ooh, big um, talk. So yeah, uh, Carly Rae. Um, come on the show. Come on, yeah, you are more than invited. Um, you are you are very invited, and I don't know how you keep not missing. Like you're making great stuff, and no one's talking about it. We are. That's yeah, why you yeah. should come on the show. She also has like, from what I understand, a very like large queer fan base. Yeah, um, I can do that. So I. I, I will gladly count myself among that fan base. I am not in any way queer. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I will gladly stand with you and say, this is a great artist that people should be listening to. That's how I feel when I listen to Janelle Monet. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this isn't for me <laughs> at all, like as a target audience, but it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, listen, you know what? If nothing else, if, if you're like, I'm not listening to Carly Rae Jepsen, um, go listen to an album. Just go, go listen to an album. From, from song one to song done, mm-hmm. and, and and just enjoy it. You know what? Go listen to Ghost Team by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. You'll be so sad. You'll be so sad, but you'll love it. Um, yeah, go listen. Go listen to an album. Interestingly, um, my wife and I watched three movies um, over the over the course of the week, mm-hmm. the weekend into the week. Um, we watched, uh, About Time. Have you seen that one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Love About Time. Really good. Um, I, I've seen it many times. Didn't know it had a Nick Cave track in it. Um. It does. Which one? Never picked it up. It has Into My Arms. Um. Oh, that's a good one. And, um, so we watched that one night. The very next night, my wife picked a random movie. She picked, um, oh, what's it called? Lost City? Never heard it. Um, it's a, it's on Paramount Plus. It's called Last City. Um, and it's got like Daniel Radcliffe as a villain, um, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum as the heroes. I think maybe I have heard of that. Um, there's a, there's a action scene where Brad Pitt is like killing a whole bunch of dudes. Um, and they're just playing red right hand throughout the whole scene. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then we watched another movie. I don't remember what it. Was what? it Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One? It was that song. It was uh, "Lift oh, Up Children. Your Voice." Lift it up was your not, children. Not that. I'm like, what is happening? How have we watched three movies in a row that have all had Nick Cave tracks in it? <laughs> um, this is this is my thing. Music people love Nick Cave. No one else has ever heard of. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that was just random. Oh, and then. The last movie we watched in this set was Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Um, I wanted to see it because the only Transformers movie I ever liked was Bumblebee, and this was like supposed to be the follow-up to Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's terrible. 
is awful. Bummer. Um, I would probably rather watch a Bay Transformers than Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and it's so sad because Usnavi was in it. Yeah, which wait, you rather watch which Transformers? The Michael Bay Transformers. Oh, Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, and I hated those. I I remember liking the first one. I, the first one was novel when it came out. Uh huh. Then the second one was not good. No, I the third one was better than the second one, but that's not saying anything. And then I never watched another. No, I watched Bumblebee in theaters when it came out and really enjoyed it. It's just like an E.T. story. Mm-hmm. Um, Haley Steinfeld, maybe? Yes. Is that her name? Um, uh-huh. She was the main actress in that, and I thought she did a really great job. And it was just the story of like her and Bumblebee together, um, and I really liked it. I thought it was very good. Uh, but yeah we watched uh the follow-up that like takes place in the same continuity um and it was nothing but chance the beast beast machines are there i love beast wars that's why i that's my area era of transformers me too that's what brought Um, me in but it was it was really bad and it didn't have a nick cave track so (laughs) instant Um, pass um it ruined it ruined the streak of good movies and it ruined um, the, streak the streak of, of Nick Cave tracks. <laughs> well, what was the third movie about? I want to try to place it. Um, let me look what it was. I should have it in a history here. Let me look. It's loading. <laughs> Riveting stuff. Huh. I'll, I'll have to tweet it out later because I'm not seeing it for some reason. What if I Google Nick Cave in movies? I thought I rented that one on uh, YouTube, but I'm not seeing it in my history. Apparently, Nick Cave has a song in Shrek 2. Oh, that wasn't what we watched. People ain't no good. Which is true. Scream also has the song Red Right Hand in it, which kind of fits too. Oh, Red Right Hand had no place in this Lost City movie. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure why they thought, like... This over-the-top, ridiculous action scene of Brad Pitt murking a bunch of people should have Red Right Hand playing in it. I don't know. Who can say? I'll have, you can I'll have to there. look. Yeah. But what a great transition, though, saying you tweeted out. Who knows if he'll tweet it out, if he can bring himself to do such a thing. But you can also follow us over on Threads. And you can follow us on Instagram. Um, happy to talk with you over there. Hardly anybody's there. Nobody wants to talk to me, and that's okay because you're going about your life. Um, but feel free to join us over there. You can send at BG World Fever at Instagram and Threads and Twitter, or you can send us an email at bgworldfever at gmail.com. Yeah. Then we'll, we'd love to talk to you and get back to you. Yep. Um, I don't think we have any listener mail this week. Don't believe so. Um, if we do, we'll get to it next week. Yes. Yes, we will. Um, but I think that that's all I've got. That's all I've got. So from all of us here at Boy Meets World Fever, so long, world. So long, world.